0: So to start out, will you just tell me what happened on that morning of June 28th?
1: It was around 5 a.m., and an employee of the Sheriff's Department in Stratford County noticed they couldn't open the files on their computer. And then some other employees, they couldn't use their computers either. So they called their IT guy, Paul Kapreski. It was still the crack of dawn. They woke him up. And what he discovered when he got there was that the files on these computers had been encrypted.
0: And Paul probably figured out pretty quickly what was going on, right? That this was not Windows being finicky.
1: Yeah. Somebody had gotten into their computer system and they locked up those files. They had been hacked.
0: That was Sarah Ernst. She's a reporter in NHPR's newsroom. I'm Ben Henry and this is Civics 101, New Hampshire. Stratford County is just one of the many local governments around the country that have recently been hacked. So today on the show, we're going to talk not just about hacking, but the whole digital infrastructure of governments, the often overlooked world of .gov websites. And the thing is, 20 years ago, almost none of those websites existed. So before we get into how Stratford County dealt with their hacking incident, I want to go back and understand that 20-year process. I talked to a city manager named Elizabeth Dragon, who was working for Franklin, New Hampshire about a decade ago.
2: When I arrived, their website was very unusable. It was out of date. People were saying, you know, this isn't updated, or where do I find this? And and when people can't get the answers they want, they call the city manager.
0: She said on Mondays after city council would have a meeting, she and her staff would get a bunch of calls asking for the minutes. And so they would have to photocopy the minutes for these people.
2: People would have to come in, and then there's a charge per page and that whole thing. And I thought, geez, there's got to be an easier way to do this.
0: And, of course, there was an easier way. The easier way was to put those documents online, which would save everyone a lot of time. But also, probably, if the minutes are easier to find online, more people would read them.
2: So we went through a very extensive process to start from scratch, and it took months and months and
0: months. They did have to take a chunk out of the city's budget, and what they did with that is they overhauled the whole website. So nowadays, on the new website, you can get those minutes emailed to you automatically and for free. The reason I was interested in this is, Franklin was one little part of this big national movement that was going on around the same time, around the early to mid-2000s. Online bill pay
1: lets you pay your monthly city services bill. What
0: was happening is, piece by piece, local and state and the federal government were all moving their operations online.
2: To give you access to new online features.
0: Downloading the Recycle Coach app. Now, the government tends to lag a little bit behind, like, the private sector and the general public when it comes to adopting technology.
3: As online payment options...
0: But by now, in 2019, I have yet to find a New Hampshire town that doesn't have any online presence whatsoever. However, it's not like the state of New Hampshire ever required towns and cities to make these websites or told them what to put on there exactly. So you have some cities that have these really robust and functional websites, and you have other places where not so much. But the basic set of things that you'll find on a town website are like a place to make payments to the town and a place to see things like minutes from public meetings. So Elizabeth is now the city manager of Keene, and Keene is one of those cities that has a much more robust website. Could you give me a tour?
2: Sure. You'll see that we have at the top uh, links to our different social media accounts, as well as a place for uh, someone to click if they're trying to make a payment, or you could subscribe to parking information, whatever your interest might be.
0: They have an interactive map where you can see all the parks and trails in the city. They have this app where you can take a photo of something and send it, along with your location, straight to Public Works and say, hey, will you please fix this? So Elizabeth actually pulled up a map for me of all these little issues that people had sent in.
2: Some potholes, a bike path issue, a park issue at Goose Pond, drainage issue at Baker Street, street light issue, probably there's a light out. What it's done is it's made it easy for the public to let us know of an issue.
0: One thing Elizabeth is really into is transparency. So tons of documents from any given town are technically public, but if you want to see them, usually you have to go to the town office, you have to know what to ask for, you might have to have someone physically rifle through a filing cabinet. Keene has been moving lots of records online. For example, this one was by popular demand, restaurant inspections.
2: I mean, hey, if you go into a place and you wanna eat there, you might wanna know what the inspection report says. And you're like, okay, we have to find a way to sort of make this available to people so that they don't have to call us and say, hey, I want to go to this restaurant. When's the last time it's been inspected?
0: I guess if you're someone who reads Yelp reviews before you go out to eat, this is like one step up from that. But still, among the most popular uses of the website is for people to see minutes from different meetings especially when there is some kind of hot-button issue in city politics. They can see the traffic on their website go up.
2: There's always a hot topic, or often. You know, a lot of these meetings, there's not a lot of people that show up. And I get it. You know, we understand people are working, they have families, their kids are in sports, trying to find ways that they can engage with us when it's more convenient for them so they can go back and look at it. They can actually see it unfold um, and hear the conversation. I think that's important.
0: So Stratford County, just like Keene and Franklin, has its own computer system. And when they were hacked, Sarah, you covered it for NHPR's newsroom. So what were they worried would happen?
1: Well, the county stores a ton of sensitive data that hackers might want. They've got bank account info for their employees. They have medical records from the nursing home and criminal records from the jail. And to keep all that stuff safe, they had to shut it all down, literally unplugging their computers from the wall. And they went back to pen and paper for a lot of the things they normally use computers for.
0: Yeah, I feel like as I've been reporting this story, I've kind of been realizing that we're in a moment now where we've kind of finished this big process to put all these local governments online. But now we're in a moment where we are realizing that that also created some vulnerabilities for us.
1: Yeah. You have to hire security experts. You have to keep your system up to date and it takes money to do it.
0: We've been talking about these town and county governments so far, but the state of New Hampshire also runs this even larger family of websites, which are all kind of centered around NH.gov.
1: Yeah, I am a big fan of the GenCourt website. Uh-huh.
0: Yep. So I I went back and tried to see like the earliest archives I could find (laughs) of NH.gov. And uh, it was a fun little trip back through the history of web design. The earliest kind of stored archive I found was from 2002. And it's cool to see how this kind of branching family of websites just expanded and expanded over the years. I, I visited the state agency that oversees this little empire of websites. It's the Department of Information Technology, or DoIT, and I talked to the director. His name is Dennis Goulet. What the, first of all, do you guys go by? Do it ever? Some people do that. Um, yeah, I'm not a big okay. fan of that, but okay, then we won't. We won't call it So that. DoIT is part of the executive branch, and they're sort of like the tech support for all the other state agencies. Everything from the keeping the email running, making sure people have the, the right technology on their desk so they can get their jobs done. If you go to a state liquor store and you pay with a credit card, the DOIT is responsible for the card reader and also for handling that banking information and sending it to a bank. So Dennis and his staff are in charge of a ton of really sensitive citizen information and they're responsible for keeping that stuff safe. The bad guys are getting really smart at making emails look like they came from, from somewhere. And the, the classic things we're seeing now and phishing is... If you picture the whole family of state websites and email servers as like one big government building, which is how I picture it, the DOIT built a fence around that building to keep out unwanted visitors. It's more, it's it's really like multiple rows of fences. We're turning away millions of attacks per month. Are, are those numbers kicking around somewhere that I could see? No. Okay. No. Where? where? Actually, so the answer was yes after he talked to a lawyer. The department catches anywhere between 10 and 50 million potential attacks every single month. So these can be like a scam email or a suspicious login attempt. Most of those, almost all of them, are automatically blocked by those layers of fences. DUIT says that it has to manually block less than 100 attacks in a typical month. So you might think, you know, New Hampshire is a small state. Nobody's trying to hack New Hampshire. You would be wrong to think that. These attempts can come from organized crime or from individual random hackers. They can come from foreign governments or from right here in the state. And, of course, if you've been watching the news, you've already heard about all of this kind of thing. In Columbia County, where Lake City agreed to pay a nearly $500,000 ransom, half a million dollars to the hacker behind... This month's malware attack.
1: we calling news for Jax told you how the hack shut down nearly all government email systems and landlines.
0: Baltimore was hit two weeks ago
2: by ransomware, freezing thousands of city computers. More than 20 local governments in Texas have been hit by a coordinated ransomware attack. Authorities- Atlanta is in recovery mode following one of the worst cyber attacks ever against a U.S. city that crippled the state's capitals on.
0: It is still an open question as to whether cyber attacks against state and local governments are actually increasing, or if it just seems like they are.
3: And what we can say right now is the media reports of ransomware for state and local governments have increased. But that doesn't mean the actual number has increased because many may not have been reported it may not have been even recognized.
0: So this is Maeve Dion, she is a UNH professor and she's coordinating a new cybersecurity master's degree. If you're like me, you've been typing personal information into government websites for years. I am sure it adds up to a lot of information about me.
3: Well, you have your social security number, you have your driver's license information. You may have given your passport if you had to use that relative's information that was provided for, for certain reasons. Think about every service that a local government does, right? You've got family and support services. You've probably paid your bill in lots of different financial ways with with your banking information. They may have some of your schooling information.
0: In the big picture, it empowers the government to sometimes provide services more efficiently, more effectively. On the other hand, it's a risk. It's a risk that I personally don't think about very often. There's one room inside of DOT. It's well protected, and it's just got banks of computers, of servers. And at any given moment, they are sending and receiving this kind of personal information all over the state, maybe all over the world.
3: So it's not like information is in one place where we can lock the door and throw away the key. You know, fixing it, getting it all patched up. That's, that's not ever going to happen because this is an ongoing effort. We will continually have vulnerabilities being discovered.
0: Another complicating factor here is that local governments outsource their IT to private companies really often when they can't afford to do it themselves.
3: And then you're trusting this private sector entity to keep it safe. You may not be thinking about that, though. You may be thinking, I'm just sending this to the government.
0: The same few companies work for lots of towns in New Hampshire, and you can tell this just by kind of paying attention to the logos on the different town websites. A company called Civic Plus specializes in government web design. A company called Interware handles online payment systems. All this to say, not only are towns a target for hackers, all these companies that they outsource to, they are also a target. I don't want to pile on the things to be worried about here. But another target that you may not realize is a target is basic infrastructure. So the electric grid and the public water supply. I don't tend to think of these as like electronic services. But the reality is on the engineering side, we just use computers for all kinds of things like opening a valve or like checking a temperature. And a lot of these computers are in some way connected to the Internet or connected to other computers that are connected to the Internet. So that means that someone can get in from the outside. As
3: solutions to make our systems more efficient and more effective have arisen and been developed, we have added those on in an ad hoc manner to these industrial control systems.
0: Experts I've talked to said hackers could get into these systems and then one day you turn the faucet and nothing comes out or your lights won't turn on. I should say this kind of thing has happened in other countries, but not yet in the U.S.
3: And that's the thing. How do we know we're safe? How do we know we're safe in society? I guess
1: the question I keep coming back to is, are we doing enough as a state to prevent hacking?
0: I do too. And this is the question that's on the mind of like everybody who works in this field. I mean, New Hampshire is pretty robust in our cybersecurity. We definitely adopted this stuff a lot earlier than a lot of states. And one thing Dennis said to me is that every time he has asked for funding for cybersecurity, the legislature has said yes to him. Let's come back to Stratford County and just tell me, was this a ransomware incident?
1: Well, not quite. You know, they shut everything down so quickly that they never actually received a, a ransom demand. But they're in the middle of an investigation right now to figure out what happened.
0: So... What was the actual effect of the hack, and was the county ready to kind of deal with this?
1: Well, so the sheriff's department runs dispatch for all the police departments in the county, and losing access to their computers didn't prevent them from doing that, so the 911 system still worked, but it made their life complicated. And overall, the county was prepared for their computers to go down, like the, the county nursing home had a pen and paper records keeping system, and it was all ready to go. And the county jail was fine. They had to do some things by hand, but their security systems are totally closed off from the rest of the world.
0: It sounds like all things considered, this could have been worse, and they actually kind of kept this under control in a way. That's it for Civics 101 New Hampshire this week. This show is created by me, Ben Henry, and Jackie Fulton. We have editing help from Hannah McCarthy and Nick Capodice. Sarah Ernst, who you heard on this episode, is a reporter for NHPR's Newsroom. And our executive producer is Erica Janik. We are supported in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. And we are a production of New Hampshire Public Radio.